You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another glorious week here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, you get 20% off of your next order. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today we have a, a little bit of, I guess, conjecture to talk about, but it's also Mock Draft Monday, which means stick around to the end of the episode. We have a mock draft, and I'll give you a hint. It is all front seven in this particular mock. You know, last year the Vikings were Sherman Ultra Soft, so I figured let's put a little B on there. So uh, stick around to the end for that. And of course, why I went all front seven, no offensive line, none of that stuff. We'll talk about why that is uh, back then. But first, I want to talk about some stuff that got discussed over the course of the weekend. Obviously, no news yet, but there was a little bit of rumor uh, and some reports from Darren Wolfson on his uh, podcast, part of the Score North podcast network, I guess you call it a network, part of the Score North feed. He does the scoop uh, and he's an insider with the Vikings, Wolves, Twins, etc., um, so he did, he spent a lot of time talking about the wolves and their head coach situation and all that stuff, but he did briefly touch on the Vikings and he said a whole bunch of different things. He just rattled off a whole bunch of reports. All of them are interesting. So thanks for uh, giving me a podcast episode, Doogie. We are going to talk about all of them. I'm going to link Doogie's show in the show notes as well. So you can listen to it for yourself. Uh, make sure I'm not taking any dumb stuff out of context here. Cause I'm going to read in a little bit to what he said, but among all of the major things that he talked, we talked about Kyle Rudolph. He talked about uh, Harrison Smith. We'll get to those in a little bit, but the big one that I think got a lot of discussion going, we'll call it, was uh, what he said was that Anthony Barr was, quote, anti any sort of restructure. And then he went on to say that, hey, maybe in the future, like an extension or something is possible, they could figure something out there, but anti any sort of restructure. And I think anti any sort of restructure set off a lot of, I'm going to call them loyalty alarms with people. People got a little bit ornery about that. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about Barr and what restructure could possibly mean and kind of parse out the situation to see if we can't get a, a reasonable understanding. Because I do think that's informative, but I don't think it's quite as apocalyptic. Uh, so first, just so you know, if you are new to this show, uh, I'm a fan of Anthony Barr. I like Anthony Barr. I think he does a lot of good things. I think he's become very unappreciated by the fan base, or underappreciated by the fan base because of the size of his contract. Um, I had an interesting back and forth with Arif Hassan on Twitter about whether or not he really is overpaid. And I think I came to the conclusion that I think he's a little overpaid, but not so much that it like bothers me a lot. Uh, and the reasons for that, I will link material to this in the show notes. I won't spend the whole time explaining it, but in brief, he can't really be blocked by tight ends and running backs. If you put a tight end on him, it's kind of begging for disaster and teams behave as such. They, even if that is or isn't true anymore or whatever, if he's been too injured and he doesn't, he can't, you know, pass rush the way he used to, which a lot of people think because his pass rush numbers have gone down. But I think those pass rush numbers have gone down because offenses are putting guards on him all the time. They have to adjust their protections to put an offensive lineman on, on him. They don't really behave the same way when Eric Kendricks is threatening blitz or when a slot corner is threatening blitz. You can put a running back on that and say, okay, running back handle Jeff Gladney. That's kind of your job, but you'd never put your running back one-on-one -on -one against Anthony Barr. And that changes the way that offenses respond to things. And that's really valuable. And the other thing is that his alternative, Eric Wilson, freezes up a lot in the run game, let a lot of explosive runs go right by his ear hole 
hole. And there's a lot of problems there, especially when you take in the cap considerations that a, a move permanently from Barr to Eric Wilson, how much money that would actually save isn't that much. We'll talk about that in a sec. But first, I, I want to talk about the idea of a restructure. Again, if you don't like that Anthony Barr take, that's okay. Check out the stuff in the show notes. See if I can't persuade you. If I can't, no worries. But the thing about the word restructure, I think most people see restructure and they think pay cut. And I want to challenge you, dear listener, I want to challenge you to divorce those two concepts in your mind because restructure very often does not mean pay cut. I actually pitched an Anthony Barr restructure in both an article and in a podcast earlier uh, this offseason, and I still think that that can be a, a possible thing, even in light of this, this Darren Wolfson report, because very often a restructure is just converting salary into signing bonus. The player does not lose a dime, so the player isn't going to have a an issue with that. If anything, a lot of times it's unguaranteed salary gets put in their pocket immediately. So it's money they didn't know if they would see or not. And that is getting converted into signing bonus, which they are now holding in their hand. And a player basically always is going to be okay with that. So much so that during the CBA negotiations, negotiations of, I think, 2011, and it's in this new CBA as well, the Players Association basically said, all contracts are just going to have it baked in that teams can convert salary into signing bonus whenever they want because we always like it. I I'm sure there are some uh, exceptions in contracts somewhere if, I don't know, if an agent wants to point one out to me if an agent is listening, but commonly enough that you can safely assume it, the Vikings can just convert as much salary to signing bonus as they want, and they don't even need Barr's permission, not that he would ever have a problem with it. What I think he means when he says, nope, I'm anti-restructure, is he's anti-pay cut. And that is something the Vikings will try to do often, and maybe we're thinking of doing with Barr, and now they know that's not an option on the table, is they'll approach a player, they did this with Riley Reef, Josh Klein, they say, hey, we're going to cut you unless you take this small, this lower salary, we're going to restructure your contract, and if you don't like it, good luck in free agency, and sometimes players like Josh Klein will say, okay, I'm outski, uh, and sometimes players like Riley Reef will take the pay cut, and they kind of say that that ultimatum is worth the risk of losing the player, I guess, would be that they're justification for it. And Anthony Barr, I, I would imagine, has communicated and said, hey, if you come to me with that kind of deal, I'm out. I'm leaving. So, you know, cho choose your next move wisely. I think that's totally fair. Uh, and I don't think that that's really a necessary thing to do with Anthony Barr. I think you can convert salary to signing bonus in such a way that it saves a lot of money this year and doesn't mortgage next year too, too or the next few years too much because he does have many years left on that contract. So it gets spread pretty thin. And without entering the negotiation table at all, you can still get that cap hit down if you really want to. But I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Barr just plays on the $50 million salary and makes a bunch of money and, and the Vikings just don't touch it. In instead opting to make their salary cap space elsewise. There are a lot of other uh, options by which to do that, uh, some of which we're going to talk about a little bit later. There are other contracts you could possibly restructure, cuts you could make, trades you could make, etc. So I guess my, my challenge is whenever you see that there is a restructure on the table or, or talk of a restructure, try to read between the lines and see if you're talking about the salary cap into signing bonus conversion one. I'll call those the salary advance restructure, because when you do that, players get money in their pocket kind of immediately, and they don't actually lose a dime. They just get more guarantees and they get access to their money quicker. Or are they talking to kind of anything else, which is basically the pay cut restructure or the thing that like Drew Brees did, where he restructured, quote unquote, his contract to get rid of a whole bunch of salary so that the retirement would be easier. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you think that that, that report means that we are entirely doomed to either cut Anthony Barr or he plays on $15 million, there is an option available to the Vikings 
Vikings, one that I think they could use. I don't know if they will. I pitched that they should. It's an option that they can take or leave. But the pay cut thing, the, the pay cut or leave ultimatum is not on the table with Anthony Barr. And that's kind of one domino of many when it comes to how the Vikings are going to solve this year's version of the salary cap puzzle. I also want to circle back and just say, listen, I'm a fan of Anthony Barr. I don't think a $15 million hit is an untenable thing. Again, I think they can make salary cap in another way. And I don't think it is appropriate to treat his $15 million 2021 salary cap hit like, for example, the $45 million Kirk Cousins hit next year. That's untenable. That's ridiculous. It's completely beyond the pale, right? And for the Vikings to just have him play out on that 45 would be pretty insane. I don't think the $15 million deserves to be in that category. And I see a lot of people talking about it like it is in that category. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think the Vikings are in a, uh, well, I guess they have to cut him because they can't restructure him kind of world. I, I would actually be pretty surprised if they cut him. I, I think he's got some pretty important fans in that organization. And hey, there are much worse relationships in the NFL for sure. Like, for example, maybe the one between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And if you think you have a beat on where Russell Wilson will play next year, or have any other NFL futures you want to bet on, or maybe NBA, NHL, MLB games, whatever gets your goat, you can head on over to betonline.ag. That is the number one place. They have all of your scores, news, and odds. They can even uh, set up bets on like reality TV and all sorts of nonsense, however you get your kicks. And if you enter promo code LOCKED, on, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. That means that for every $100 you deposit as part of your initial deposit when you sign up, you get $50 of free money to play with. So $500 deposit is $750 to play with. Do not pass that up. Head on over to betonline.ag, enter promo code locked on for that 50% fat welcome bonus, and get a Gramblin at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're like me and potentially sweating that Russell Wilson might end up on the Chicago Bears and the Vikings, who have never beat him, will have to play him twice a year, head on over to the Locked On Today podcast, where Peter Bukowski, who also does Locked On Packers and will have similar fears, is breaking down the whole thing. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. That covers NFL, NBA, NHL, everything you need. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Under 20 minutes, too. So I hope I've quelled your fears a little bit, but there's some other stuff that Doogie said in that particular show that I think is worth uh, breaking down. So let's kind of run down the list here before we get to Mock Draft Monday, which is also coming up. So uh, yeah, make sure you stick around if you are just here for the Mock Draft Monday. Don't worry, I didn't forget. Uh, the one that stuck out to me the most was that Harrison Smith is already in talks for an extension. This is something that I pitched as part of my cap calculus, extending Harrison Smith. He's got like a $10 million cap hit this year, but no guaranteed money. That makes it really ripe for extending. He's also in the last year of that deal. So an extension that is basically the Harrison Smith retires a Viking extension. You can kind of recalibrate his uh, contract for the quality of play you expect from a safety of his age. You could maybe get that cap hit down a little bit. Um, and I think it's just a really good idea. And plus, you know, Harrison Smith retires a Viking. That's a great line. Everybody can get behind that, right? What that will actually be, I base when I extended him, I think I had like an $8 million cap hit average per year. Um, that was sort of a guess. So I don't really know exactly where that number would be. But any extension would get his cap hit in 2021 down and therefore put a dent in the Vikings uh, cap debts as it were, which, by the way, now that the Vi the, the NFL has signed its big TV deal, uh, a lot of people say the cap is going to be closer to like one 
185, which is uh, only 13 million lower than the 198 that it was in 2020. So that, of course, makes it a lot easier to get under the cap. That's 5 million the Vikings maybe didn't think they would have. And throughout the whole year, that's 10 million they didn't think they would have because throughout the whole 2020 season, we thought it'd be 175. Another cap saving move that I have uh, advocated for that it sounds like is going to happen here is the cut of Kyle Rudolph. I think most people kind of understand that it's about time for him. Irv Smith has been playing well. Tyler Conklin played well when Rudolph got hurt. Um, and it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall that when he got hurt and he didn't come back and he went on IR and all that, it was like, okay, well, maybe we've seen the last of Kyle Rudolph as a Viking. If and when that happens, we'll talk a lot more about his legacy because I think it deserves to be appreciated. Uh, but in terms of what we would expect from Kyle Rudolph going forward, I'm going to get a little Bill Parcelsi here. And I, I think he's more of a roadblock player at this point where he's just kind of in because, I mean, he's Kyle Rudolph. He's been in the organization since 2011. How could you bench Kyle Rudolph uh, and maybe taking playing time away from other more exciting players? And there's also been a lot of talk about should they draft a weapon or a wide receiver three? If you get Rudolph out of the equation, it becomes a lot easier to justify taking a, a, a player who is going to improve upon, what would it be, Tyler Conklin or BC Johnson? Like, go get a player to improve on those guys. It seems like, yeah, they don't have that fifth skill player. And I personally don't care if it's a tight end or a wide receiver, so long as they're a good pass catcher and can generate explosive plays. Uh, another thing that came out of that was that the Vikings are not in on Orlando Brown Jr. trades. Orlando Brown, of course, the Ravens tackle, uh, son of that Orlando Brown. And here's the thing, I'm not that interested in him. A lot of people really want him because he was played well as in, as a tackle uh, in Baltimore. But for one, I don't think he would play as well uh, for the Vikings, because the Vikings would ask their they ask their tackles to do different things than the Ravens do. So the fact that Orlando Brown was good at the things the Ravens ask their tackles to do doesn't necessarily translate to what the Vikings would ask their tackles to do, which is a roundabout way of saying not a scheme fit. But I feel like that doesn't land for a lot of people. So I, I want to. That's what I mean when I say not a scheme fit. It, it, Judge a player on what your team will ask them to do, not what his previous team asked him to do. And I don't think that that fits very well. And the other thing is, I have a little bit of a motor concern. Just watching playoff tape for the Locked On NFL podcast, which I'm on every Tuesday, by the way, if you want to go subscribe there. Uh, but just watching the tape there, there were a lot of, I guess I would call it, motor plays in both of those Ravens playoff games that I sort of got worried about uh, Orlando Brown Jr.'s motor. And that was also a thing for him in the Combine, too. I... I would really want to check out check that out. And if the Vikings are out on him, I definitely understand it. And I, I don't think we're missing. Uh, I'm, I'm not too broken up about that. They're also not in on a couple of former Vikings, which are uh, Nick Easton and Stephen Weatherly. I think Stephen Weatherly could definitely be a good rotational piece and they could miss him. I think Nick Easton could come in and be a decent guard. I think he can do just fine in his own scheme. Seems like they're not in on him. So I mean, whatever, it's low octane stuff, but I definitely disagree with them on that. Um, and the other thing that he mentioned in that show, if I'm forgetting something, I'm sorry, uh, was that Riley Reef has a lot of fans in the organization and he doesn't think it's particularly likely that Riley Reef gets cut. And I think after going through all the calculus of it and kind of dedicating a whole episode to this discussion, I think that's where I came out to, which is, you know, it would be great to get Ezra Cleveland back to tackle. I think that's where he's best. And I don't know if he's going to be good at guard. I think moving to guard was a big mistake, but if Riley Reef played well and, you know, maybe an extension is more uh, of a likely thing than like a cut or a, a trade, I think I can be talked into that, even if it costs some of Ezra Cleveland's development. Um, but I guess it goes back to that other offensive line philosophy where maybe we should stop drafting tackles that aren't good at guard and then asking them to play guard. We have two tackles, especially if they extend Riley Reef. And now both of these tackles are like long term set in the organization. Just get a guard and ask that guy to play guard instead of getting a tight end and asking him to play guard or a tackle and asking him to play guard. Just get a dang guard. Speaking of... 
Mock Draft Monday is coming up in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Just today, I had a banana bread one, which is the best flavor, and I will hear no guff about it. Uh, but they also have stuff like uh, German chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, which is insane, caramel brownie, stuff that if you're trying to be health conscious, trying to lose or maintain weight, you don't feel like you should be able to indulge in, but you can. They are low calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They're even keto friendly. So if you want to get a box for yourself, head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20. That's a new promo code. FYI, LOCKEDON20. You get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON20, 20, the number 20, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. I personally love the NFL scout perspective from Matt, uh, especially this time of year as we get closer to the draft. But they cover everything, all of the latest news, all of the moves, trades, all the nonsense going on this offseason. Head on over to the Peacock and Williamson podcast. It's a daily show just like this one on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now. The moment I'm sure most of you have been waiting for. It's Mock Draft Monday. Before we get into it, a quick word about how we've been doing this. So this is week nine of these Mock Draft Mondays. I've been doing this for nine weeks now. Uh, and every time I pick somebody in one of these Mock Draft Mondays, they are off limits until uh, the Monday after free agency has mostly calmed down. So we've still got a few more of these to do before we will reset the whole pool, but the pool is getting pretty slim here. Uh, if you are in the Discord, which you can join at the link in the show notes if you are a Discord person, please come join us and hang out. The Discord helped me a lot with this one. So thank you, everybody who was uh, helping me make some decisions because we are down to the bottom of the barrel. But I kind of figured, since we talked a lot about Anthony Barr, uh, what about a world where the Vikings cut Anthony Barr? I don't think it'll happen, but I guess it's worth entertaining. It's possible enough, right? And a question that I've gotten a lot in mailbag questions, if you've asked this and I haven't answered it, uh, I'm sorry, I am saving those for a draft-focused episode of, of Twitter Tuesday which is also tomorrow. Please get your questions in at LukeBronNFL on Twitter, at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can ask me on Discord or send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. But uh, a lot of people have asked, what about that uh, that Micah Parsons guy from Penn State? What if you cut Anthony Barr, save on that $15 million cap hit, and then use your first round pick, pick Micah Parsons, put him right in there, and now, booyah, you're cheaper. Uh, few problems with that. For one, if you do want to cut Anthony Barr, the thing about his contract is that there's a lot of signing bonus that accelerates, that takes a lot of debt. You save about $7.5 million net after you you account for all of those penalties, um, which is really funny because a lot of people say, and then replace him with Eric Wilson, who obviously is so much cheaper, but he's going to get like $9 million on the open market. So you actually get more expensive for a much worse player. So I'm very much not into that. And even in 2022, where all of that signing bonus penalty is off the books, you still would be paying like $10, $11 million for a much worse player than you'd be paying for Anthony Barr, who you could actually wait till next year to cut and save that $10 million and have a much easier kind of transition into the next guy. And it might not be Eric Wilson which I'm also just not a fan of. As for Micah Parsons, his description sounds very Anthony Barry, but I think we do this with just about every like high-profile 3-4 outside linebacker. We kind of say, hey, what if we got rid of that big expensive guy and replaced him with a cheap rookie? The problem is it's only cheap in, the, in terms of cap. Spending your first-round pick on that player, I'm not a huge fan of, but let's say we go and do it, and, and we go and say, all right, Anthony Barr, thanks for everything. You won't take a pay cut. You're out of here. Uh, we'll let Eric Wilson walk as well. Let's say we use that 7 half million and 
fix the O-line. We get one guard with that $7.5 7.5 million gets you a good guard. And we say, okay, Ezra Cleveland, you're playing right guard again. You've got O'Neal at right tackle, Bradbury still at center, Reef still at left tackle. There's your offensive line. So we won't worry about offensive line in this draft. And instead, we will take Michael Parsons out of Penn State, who he's rangy. He can pass rush. He's, again, a 3-4 outside linebacker and kind of likely to be there at 14 just because of the nature of the needs in front of the Vikings. A lot of those teams need a quarterback. I think Trey Lance and Mac Jones might go ahead of the Vikings at 14. That's five picks if you count the other three uh, quarterbacks. All That's only nine teams drafting in front of us now. There's a lot of crazy good wide receivers, a lot of crazy good defensive line talent and stuff. A linebacker could totally, guys like Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater, who could all go in front of the Vikings, leaving Micah Parsons there. I think it could happen. The problem will be that he can't quite replicate the Anthony Barr effect in coverage, which to me is being very valuable in sim pressures, but also being very quick to the edge and taking away things like swing passes and even some like quick curl stuff from the slot and all that stuff, being quick to disrupt those plays as well. And I don't think Micah Parsons quite has that coverage thing. I think he transitions most to like uh, the, the role that a lot of people want to give Anthony Barr, like the role the Jets would have given Anthony Barr, where you're basically just a defensive lineman. And I don't know if that like really one-to-one replaces Anthony Barr, but you shouldn't look to one-to-one replace Anthony Barr because the thing is, the role Anthony Barr has is one specifically crafted and kind of made up for Anthony Barr and his skill set. That's what Mike Zimmer does. He talks about wanting to do that all the time to kind of tailor the defense for the players that he has. And that includes Anthony Barr, who has a very unique skill set. So if Barr goes away, that role doesn't necessarily need to be filled. You just need to find a new way to get whatever you can get out of the players that you have. So if you do have Micah Parsons, you would just find a way to kind of get more out of his blitzing and his uh, his really good flowing run defense and all that stuff and the way that he he pass rushes um, and not necessarily ask him to do exactly the same things as Anthony Barr. Don't ask Micah Parsons to be Barr. Ask Micah Parsons to be the best Micah Parsons he can possibly be. And from that angle, I could totally see a draft pick like that working out if he goes to a team that is sufficiently open-minded. But we're doing three rounds on this, by the way, and also no trades uh, until after free agency, We're just, just to keep it simple. Um, and the next guy that we are taking here is Marlon to a Pelotu out of USC. He's a defensive tackle. He is definitely a tape over athleticism guy. And it might actually help him that there's like a lot less combine and stuff because I don't think his testing would go particularly well. Everybody can kind of see his functional athleticism uh, wasn't that impressive on tape. And even if he does like a pro day and stuff, that might hurt his stock a little bit. But his tape was really good. He got a lot of penetration. He got a lot of production. His hands looked really good. He had good technique. So maybe it doesn't matter that he doesn't have that athleticism. The question is, will all that technique and stuff die against more athletic opponents in the NFL? That's the question you have to go answer. Um, his kind of story in college was that he was playing next to Jay Tufele, who also is coming out this year, uh, but he opted out of the 2020 season for COVID reasons, Jay Tufeli did, leaving Marlon Tuipolotu a lot more responsibility. And it was in that heightened role that he truly thrived, which makes him really, really difficult. Because who actually is he? Is he the guy that thrived when he was asked to be, you know, the 1A guy and maybe he was just in more of a support role? Uh, or is it just that this year was particularly fluky and he doesn't have the athleticism and he's totally not going to translate to the NFL? That's the, the question you have to answer with him. But if he does work out and you do believe in him, then you have a pen 
penetrating three technique, and that is very good in in a lot of Zimmer's schemes and can really help him design a lot of pass rushes uh, around kind of you know have your edge rushers rush too far upfield, get the quarterback to step up in the pocket where a penetrating three technique is waiting. It's a really really nice thing to have access to. And in that vein, I also took with the second pick, pick 90 in the third round, I took Jordan Smith out of UAB. Now, UAB, not an exciting school, but he was a recruit to the University of Florida. And then there was a credit card fraud scandal, a whole thing in 2017. A bunch of players got kicked off the team and he was one of them, had to go transfer to uh, UAB. He is, so you got to check out his off field, right? You got to make sure that he's not a character concern and all that stuff. But let's assume that you go look into it and it checks out and you're okay with it. Uh, he is lengthy. He has good hands, good technique and all that stuff. He's quick. He's got a lot of get off. To me, that's enough. But you might be turned off by, he. he's not very weighty. Um, he's a little thin and the Vikings have been more and more open to like undersized defensive linemen, maybe to their detriment considering how the run defense went. Um, and so if you're kind of approaching this draft from a let's beef up the front seven angle, I don't think I did a great job at that, right? I got a, a three, four outside linebacker. I got a skinny defensive lineman and I got a three technique that's like average size, but all these guys can penetrate and pass rush and you can really affect the pass rush. I put the whole thing basically into pass rush and run defense and turning that front seven into the monster that it once was, which will take a whole bunch of pressure off of the secondary, and a lot of things kind of ripple out from there. But I will say, this is definitely my least favorite of these. I mean, week nine, this one ranks ninth for me so far. I don't love this draft. I definitely, I mean, I, again, I'm also working in a world where they don't technically need offensive line, which is fine because most of the offensive linemen I like are off limits anyways because I've already taken them in previous simulations. So we're getting kind of down to the bottom of the barrel here, looking forward to the reset. But th that challenge is, you know, it's part of the fun. So make sure you stick around for that. Make sure you get your Twitter Tuesday questions in at LukeBronNFL, at LockedOnVikings, LockedOnVikings.com podcast at gmail.com anywhere of those places works just fine there's also a google form if you would rather or you can go to the discord again both those things are linked in the show notes i will see you all tomorrow for twitter tuesday and as always skull